So we've been in our core series. Um, we started last year with seven of our core series. Last week we unpacked our seventh one, which is on uh, growth. This week we're going to talk on excellence. Excellence. Somebody say excellence. So hopefully you're ready to take some notes. There is notes, but somehow the um, printer's not really working right now, but it will come, hopefully. So jot some notes down until they get it all printed out. Let's talk about excellence this morning real quick. So what is excellence? What is excellence? I'll kind of give you three thoughts of what excellence is. It's the highest or superior quality. The highest or superior quality. Excellent quality is always the best, superior, and it's distinctive. How many of you have ever seen someone or something that was done with excellence, right? Like, I mean, it's, whoo, primo. Number two, thought, excellence. It's quality that always stands out. Quality that always stands out. I want you to take notes with this message because it's going to be a super practical message, and this is my, my hope and my heart that... Um, uh, any message that we ever preach is not something that um, you're just hearing it from the Bible, but you can take it home and apply it to your life. And I'm telling you, if you apply this one principle alone of excellence, you will see an increase this year. How many of you ready? Okay, so right fast. The notes are coming out here. Third one, third thought, quality that is always improving quality that is always improving so when we talk about excellence it's not perfection excellence is the pursuit or the constant growth we've never really arrived uh, I don't know about you you may have uh, an excellent marriage but there's always room for growth or improvement how many of you would say amen right don't look at your spouse talk about yourself right in your business, uh, if you're on your job, if, you're, if you think in your mind you are perfect and the best at it, you're not really pursuing excellence because you should be evolving, changing, growing, always improving. Our whole uh, message today is going to be on the uh, life of Daniel. I'm going to look at, turn to Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. I'm going to read a passage of scripture, and I'm going to hang sort of the thought that will frame the entire message. Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. As you turn there, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom a hundred and twenty satraps, who should be thought out the whole kingdom. And over them, three presidents, of whom Daniel was one. These satraps might give an account unto them, and that the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was distinguished above the presidents and satraps because there was an excellent spirit in him. Somebody say, excellent spirit. An excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. So let's frame this thought. I'm going to focus in on that one thought of uh, for Daniel. He had an excellent spirit in him. So the people are exiled uh, out of Jerusalem. Um, as they're exiled off to Babylon, thousands of people are there, but Daniel begins to distinguish himself above everyone else because he had an excellent spirit. I'm going to talk about my subtitle of my message today is 10 characteristics of someone with an excellent spirit. 10 characteristics of someone with an excellent spirit. We got a lot to cover, so we got to take notes and move fast. But I promise you, if you apply these, it will change your life, your relationship, your job, your financial status. It's because it's biblical. You want to have an excellent spirit. These are 10 characteristics. Number one, convictions that run deep. Convictions that run deep. 
the presidents, satraps, or governors, they plotted and began to plan against Daniel. So there were 120 uh, of what they would call governors or, or satraps and the three presidents, which Daniel was a, a part of. They began to plot and plan to put Daniel to death. And listen to what Daniel's convictions are as they're trying to put him to death. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Daniel 6, verse 10. And when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, meaning that the law was passed, that he, everyone in the whole kingdom had to bow before uh, the king, King Darius at the time, that if nobody, uh, if anybody at the time didn't bow before the king, that they would be put to death. So he hears this law has been signed, and listen to what Daniel does. He went straight into his house. Now that the windows were open toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day, and he prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did before. Here Daniel has such deep convictions and dependence on the Lord that it didn't matter whether there was a law that passed that made it illegal to pray. His convictions were still true that he held that he still did what he always did before. I'm grateful and thankful that man, we can pray. Right now, in fact, there are things changing that uh, even in the school system, I think um, a lot has changed over the years where I get the privilege of working with youth across the state. There's 100 churches in the Assemblies of God, and, and at times we are silent or quiet and at times afraid to pray and talk in the schools, but it's coming a time and day where they're allowing prayer in schools. Amen? Praise and thank God for that. I'm telling you, if we do not restore the spiritual and moral compass in the hearts of our children, we will go astray. They're coming back to prayer. And here we see Daniel, he was not moved. Application for you is what kind of convictions do you hold deep inside? What is the thing that keeps you steady and on course? He had convictions because he knew that he was called. Daniel had to make a decision in a secular culture to know that he had a higher call and stay connected and committed to the higher call of God. I am who I am because of who I worship. When we talk about deep convictions in your heart, there are times that maybe even on your jobs that maybe you uh, may not be willing to do things, but you need to know you got to be true to your convictions of who God made you to be. At the time, you need to understand back then that the people uh, and this law that was passed, they're trying to trap Daniel, and they say that if you don't bow, the music and worship would go out. And when the worship would go out, they had to bow and bend their knee. But Daniel refused to bend and bow to the culture that was trying to set the temple around him. You and I should be the ones setting the temple as we stay connected to the Lord with our convictions and not bow to the convictions of the world around us. Amen? When you're called, you have a purpose. Your purpose drives your convictions. Do you know that you have a purpose in your life? If you don't know you have a purpose in your life, I encourage you to begin that journey. It first starts with a relationship with the Lord. Then it's starting to discover your gifts. And if you haven't been a part uh, of our Connect Track, we encourage you after second service, come discover your gifts and personality and allow you to begin growing in your purpose. Why did Daniel have such convictions? Because he knew his calling, he knew his purpose, which drove his convictions. Knowing your purpose gives you convictions and allows you to be authentic. Be who God called you to be. I often tell this to leaders as I talk to them. Do not rob the world of what God created, which is you. When you try to be someone else who God didn't call you to be, you're nothing but a fake, a fraud, and an imposter. Be you. 
Now, it doesn't mean, I, I tell this to leaders at times, that, that for a season, we're on this journey that we don't even know who we are. How many of you ever been there? Who am I? Who am I? What I do? It's not so much what you do, but who am I? And what you need to know that if you call him king of kings and lord of lords, you're a son and daughter of God, first of all. You're a, you can throw out every title. You can throw out every position. At the end of the day, you and I are sons and daughters of God, which should drive a conviction in our heart. It should drive a passion because we are on a mission. Convictions that run deep, number two. If you're going to be or have a spirit of excellence, we've got to hear God's voice. We've got to hear God's voice. Daniel was a spiritual man. Daniel was kidnapped and he was taken along with the most gifted and talented ones to Babylon. They, uh, King Darius at the time wanted to build his kingdom and as they conquered Judah, they went in and handpicked the best of the best, the architects and those who had wisdom and engineers and they went out seeking those who had excellence in them and Darius took them into the land of Babylon to build his kingdom. He made them change their diet. He made them change their language. But ultimately, he understood if he was going to rule over these people, he had, them, he had to have them bow down and worship him instead of their own God. Daniel heard the voice of God and was unwavering in the midst of the culture that was around him. There are so many voices today. How many of you would say that? Sometimes it's confusing in life to know what to do. Or, or, or what's the right decision? Is that God? Is that me? Is that someone else? Is that the devil? What voice is it? And I, I definitely, I'll never forget, I remember our pastor preached this way before. I probably was like 13 in this church. I remember hearing this message and he says, really there are four voices that we need to know and understand. Like what is, what is our own voice, right? Right, because man, Sometimes the hardest voice or the most strongest voice is not necessarily God's voice or the devil's voice or others' voice. It's our own voice that we talk to ourselves. How many of you talk to yourself, right? And sometimes you don't even know because at times we can be our own worst enemy, right? We talk ourselves out of a whole bunch of things. So you got to know your own voice. And this is part of that discovery and journey as you draw closer to the Lord. You got to discover and know what is your own voice, and at times your voice will come back to the convictions that you hold in your heart. So you got to know your own voice. You got to know what's the voice of others, right? When are other people talking to you? You need to know that what is the enemy's voice because sometimes the enemy can use other people or, or downright even speak words to you and you believe that own lie. And ultimately you need to know God's voice. There's four different voices that we ultimately need to uh, distinguish and, and know between. And maybe that will help you today and keep this very practical. Is it you speaking, others, the enemy, or is it God speaking? Daniel knew that it was the Lord speaking to him. King Darius was busy listening to the voices around him in his council. The 120 governors and the other two presidents were trapping King Darius. And, and Darius didn't have a relationship with the Lord, so he isn't hearing God's voice. So he's listening to the voices around him. And what he doesn't know is that they're setting him up. Because deep in King Darius's heart, he actually loved Daniel. He was the best of the best and the brightest and put him above the rest. And, and these people trapped him. If you're not careful and if you just listen to the voices that are around you, you never know if they're trying to set you up or take advantage of you. This is why we need to know God's voice. What would have happened if Darius knew God's voice and says, mm, you other 123 leaders, 22 leaders, that's not God. Listen, I, I, I don't want you to think that I, I don't want you to seek counsel. Seek counsel. Talk to a friend. But don't let anybody else's voice trump the voice of God. You let the last voice and the deciding factor of what you do or don't do say, God, is this what you want me to do? Because oftentimes, God will call you and I to do things that the world will say, that's just downright crazy. 
I'll never forget, we were, I was working for Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory, and my wife and I had been together for quite a few years. We raised in this church 12 years old, and, and, and she felt in sense the call of God, and, and I was starting to feel that. We talked with, um, before we talked to our pastor, we talked to our family, talked to our friends, and, and we were like, man, I think we're going to just sell it all. We just built the house, but we're going to sell our house, and we're going to move to Boston and go to school. And, and, and I'll never forget, my coworkers are like, are you crazy? Do you know that you have a job at Smithsonian Astrophysical Observatory? We get like an increase every single year. We've been here 10 years. It's one of the most secure jobs that you could get. I said, yeah, I know. But there's another voice that I just can't shake. That's calling me to something higher. If you're not careful, you'll even listen to your own family's voice that will talk you out of it. And, and I'll never forget uh, having a conversation with even people in my own family. And, and I'll never forget out of fear, they would say, are you crazy? You're going to go? And out of fear, at times, if we're not careful, parents, let me speak to you for a moment. If you're not careful and you walk in fear and not listening to the voice of God yourself, you may be stopping your child, your grandchildren from fulfilling the call of God on their life. Because it'll call you to a very uncomfortable place. And yet at the end of the day, we got to hear God's voice. Say, God, it doesn't make absolutely no sense, but I want to hear your voice and obey your call. Are you hearing God's voice today? Number three. If you want to attempt something great, attempt something great, you must have a spirit of excellence in you. I'm not just talking in the church world. I'm talking in any sphere of influence you are at. If you are going to attempt something great, you better have a spirit of excellence to do it well. I'm not talking about slapping things together. I'm talking about doing things well, constantly improving. I must warn you, though, if you want to attempt something great, whether for God or what you feel God is calling you to do, it will come with risk. It will come with risk. I want you to tap your neighbor and tell him it's risky. It's risky. Listen to what happens to Daniel. He's doing something great for God and is at the top of his sphere of influence in, the, uh, in Babylon there, just right under the command of King Darius. And look what happens to the people around him as they trap him. Daniel 6, 14 to 16. Then the king, when he heard these words, he was sore displeased and set his heart on Daniel to deliver him. And he labored to the going down of the sun to rescue him. So get this. King Darius realized that he heard the wrong voice and listened to those around him. Realized that they trapped his most trusted advisor who could interpret his dreams. And the king is trying to work all night to undo the law that he had written. And he's trying to say, man, I can't lose the one who's closest to me. Listen to what happens. Verse 15, then these men assembled together unto the king and said to the king, Know, O king, that it is the law of the Medes and Persians, that no interdict nor statue which the king established may be changed. Be very careful what voices you listen to because we see right here in the next moment, man, they act like they're trying to help you, but man, they're just trying to drive a knife right in your back. And I, I, all I'm saying is have wisdom, okay? He's attempting something great and they're trying to, they're trying to tear him down and listen to what the king, verse 16, then the king commanded and they brought Daniel. And they cast him into the den of lions. Now the king spake unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou serves continually, he will deliver thee. Even the own king, King Darius, tried everything in his own power to stop the law, to rescue Daniel. But he realizes Daniel, who prayed to his God three times a day, he says, even the king, it was out of his hands. 
You need to know that, man, I think sometimes we trust too much in kings and presidents and people in power and supervisors and things that we, we don't trust in the living God who ultimately has the last say. They throw him in the lion's den. He says, your God whom you serve, he will deliver you. Those of you who know the story of Daniel Lyons, that you know what happens. They throw him into the lion's den. And I can only imagine, as a kid, I just so love this story, right? Uh, how many of you as a kid remember hearing this in Sunday school, right? I'm like, how did he do it? Did he, like, grab bones and, you know, make them go to sleep or, like, beat the lions or, like, I don't know. Maybe there was just something about the lions that knew that there was something different about this man. That he had a spirit of excellence on him, that God was with him, that it doesn't matter what people try to plot or plan against you. If God is for you, who can be against you? If you're going to attempt something great for God, get ready because there will be risks. Man, I'm telling you today, it's risky in whatever you do. But, I mean, I don't know about you, but God doesn't call us to play it safe. I think oftentimes we think that the goal in life is just to play it safe and cover all of our bases. But if you're going to do something great, it requires risk. If you're going to have a great marriage, it will take risk. If you're going to have great kids, it will take risk. If you're going to have a great business, it will take risk. If you're going to be a great employee, it will take risk. No matter what you do, it will require a risk. Number four, if you're going to have a spirit of excellence, we must learn to resist temptation. Resist temptation. We'll talk about a few temptations that you must resist if you're going to have a spirit of excellence. If you want to be effective and do something great for God, then you will have to risk temptations and temptations like entitlement now you don't have to raise your hands but how many of you ever have done something and and it's like nobody recognized me and and nobody patted me on the back and nobody put my name up on the board or on the bulletin and and nobody gave me a shout out and after a while, if we're not careful, if we're going to have the spirit of excellence, we're going to have to resist this entitlement spirit because what happens is it creeps in and says, man, you know what? I earned that. I work for that. I deserve that promotion. I deserve to go to the top. Am I, am I preaching to anybody today? It's quiet, or you're sleeping. I don't know. Are we, are we, are we hitting it here? And you say, man, what do you mean my coworker got the promotion? I should have got that promotion. Then they see my hard work, and then I have coworkers who take the credit for me when it's me who did everything. And if you're not careful, the spirit of entitlement starts creeping in, and it will squash your spirit of excellence. Because you start getting entitled and you start giving it half your time and half your effort. And it's like, you know what? Then they can have it. They can have him or her. Oh, they think they got the best? Well, then they can have him or her. Oh, you need help? I'm not helping you. I want to tell you, be careful and guard for the spirit of entitlement. It'll creep in and it will kill the spirit of excellence. Another thing that will creep in and resisting the temptation of, of pursuing fame or uh, a popular name or fortune. I don't know if you see today, like uh, I, I watch TV and, and social media and different things. People will do anything for fame today. Just about anything. Do you know that they say that there have been so many different deaths that have happened from taking selfies? Did you know that? I was watching, reading this article, and they're saying, like, people just trying to do crazy things like, ah, look at me, ah, they fall off. Like, just for that one famous shot, man, this would be it, famous. Get me famous. People do crazy, downright stupid, crazy things, right? How many of you have seen stupid, crazy things, right? It's like, you did what for what? 
for two minutes of fame, to, to throw out your convictions out the window, to try to be something that you're not, you're being nothing but a fraud and a fake and a phony. Be authentic to who God made you to be. It's not about my name or it's not about making your name famous, but if we're going to live in the kingdom of God and have a spirit of excellence, it's about making his name famous. Not your name or my, who cares if my name doesn't get on anything or if nobody ever mentions my name, but, but they will know the God that I serve. I don't have to have a statue erected of me. I don't have to have a plaque or a title or anything else, but they better not forget the God that we serve who shows up when we think things have gone all, all wrong and there's no hope. Let's make his name famous. Having a spirit of excellence is not about lifting up our name or others' name. It's about lifting up his name and making him famous. Resisting temptations. You got to resist the temptation also of pursuing fortune. And don't get me wrong, I, I, I firmly believe that God blesses it. I'm not uh, knocking it at all. But what I'm saying is that do not pursue just fortune or money for the sake of, uh, of um, losing your very convictions. Sometimes people who lose their spirit of excellence start lowering the bar and they will step on people and over people to get where they want to go. You want to have a spirit of excellence? Prioritize people over profit. On your workplace, on your job, in whatever, in whatever arena or sphere it's in, even in your marriage, in your relationship, prioritize people over profit. What else kind of temptations you must resist? Resist the temptation or the lack of accountability. Oftentimes, a lack of accountability will lead to isolation. If you're going to have a spirit of excellence, you can't do it by yourself. We, we say this oftentimes, you just heard it earlier, that life is better when we do it together. Our old African proverb goes, you, you want to run fast, go by yourself. If you want to go far, go together. You want to go the distance in your business you want to go the distance as an entrepreneur you want to go the distance as a parent as a grandparent you got to do it together it's not about using people but empowering and lifting up others if we're going to have the spirit of excellence we have to refuse to give in or give up when we have the spirit of excellence, we resist these temptations, and what it will do is produce a longevity in whatever sphere you're in. If you study the life of Daniel, he had a sphere of influence as one of the top leaders there for over 70 years. How many here are over the age of 70? Hey, come on, don't hey, own it. Be proud. Man, I, when I reach 70, I probably won't have hair. I hope to be around at 70. I'm going to be over 70. Over 70. Yeah, let's give them a hand. Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're thankful for you. We're thankful for you and your life. And when I look at the life of Daniel, he was faithful. He was consistent with the spirit of excellence. He wasn't for, because if, you, if you're not careful in our culture today, our, our culture is so influential. It tells you, man, you just need, they're the one and dones. Man, you're famous for a moment and then you're a nobody in the next. People don't know you. Man, if you're going to have the spirit of excellence, you're going to be faithful and consistent over and over and over and resist these temptations. Daniel served under four different kings, Nebuchadnezzar, Belshazzar, Darius, and Cyrus. You talk about someone who had longevity of ministry, of influence, of leadership. It was because he resisted these temptations around him. You want to have a longevity in your marriage? You got to learn to resist the temptations. We are consistently bombarded 24-7. You want to have longevity in your business? Resist the temptations to sell out. Be faithful in excellence. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. Number five, when you uh, uh, have the spirit of excellence, you're an asset 
and not a liability. You're an asset and not a liability. When you, um, when you think, when your car is paid off, it's an asset. When you go buy the brand new car, it's still a liability. You got a bill to pay on it, right? Are you adding value or detracting value from those around you? Listen to what, what, what he says in Daniel chapter 6, verse 2. I, I love this, this portion. Daniel 6, 2. Daniel brought no damage to the king or the kingdom. Daniel was such an asset to the king and to the kingdom. He wasn't a liability. He wasn't a risk. He actually helped to protect, preserve, enhance, and build the kingdom. When I think about this, and maybe even for my life and for your life, what are ways, are you an asset or a liability? Someone with an excellent spirit will be an asset. They'll be an asset on their jobs. When you show up to work, does your boss and your coworkers go, man, I'm glad you're here. We were waiting for you to come in. Man, man, we were having this problem. We didn't know how to fix it. Can you help us? Or when you show up to your job, they go, oh, boy, here, here they come. Here they come. Let's go. Let's go. Come on, guys. No, are you the talk on your job that everybody, when the new person comes in, hey, watch out for, you know, that one, so-and-so. Be careful. Their mouth, whoo, whoo, attitude, whoo, forget it. Their work ethic, whoo, less than excellent. Constantly giving out responsibility is not taking ownership of it. Are you an asset on your job or are you a liability? Do you show up on time? Oh, it's going to get quiet in here. It's going to get quiet in here. I, I'm trying to help you today. If you want to see increase this year, if you have the spirit of excellence, man, you show up not just on time, you show up early. You show, I'm going to start preaching now here in a moment. Come on now. I'm, oh, I'm going to preach now. Okay, here we go. I'm, you got to show up early. We start here at the church at 9 o'clock, and, and if I got my own car, I show up here like 8 o'clock, 8.30. I know. No one's looking. No one's watching if I'm here or not. But, man, I got things to do and things that got to be done, and I don't wait to punch the clock to clock in. You want to begin, I, I don't know, preach the rest of my message. You, you want to begin to stand out from the rest? You got to begin to do it with a spirit of excellence. Do you not just show up early or on time? Do you stay late to get the job done? Oh, come on now. Do, do you clock out early because nobody's around? Oh, I'm trying to help. I, I'm, I'm trying to save somebody your job today, okay? This is what, God's trying to help you get a hold. Of, this is super practical, okay? Because your boss right now is thinking, I'm about to let this person go if they don't start showing up with a spirit of excellence. Do you have a spirit of excellence in your relationships? Do you give it all you got? In your marriage, are you, are you present? Are you willing to work? And on the job, oh, man, I'm going to be on your jobs, man. You, gotta, you work, right? Work. I, I've come from a, a construction background. I remember I used to argue with my auntie, and she, she would work in the office. And I used to tell her, I was like, work in the office. I work in construction. That is where you guys sit at a desk, and that's not work. I remember one time we got into this big fight, and foolish of me for, for saying those words, because now that majority of the time I'm in the office, man, is that exhausting. I would rather be out in the field. Put me in construction. Uh, I don't want to say this, but people are exhausting at times, right? Can I just be real, right? People are exhausting. Man, hearing stories and working with people, it can be exhausting. But are we going to do it with a spirit of excellence? Are we going to love people? Do you do it with excellence on your job? Do you raise your children with the spirit of excellence? Are you doing with excellence? Or are you just like, man, just slap it to go. Here we go. Just get a move. Right now, our, our little one, we see gifts and talents, and he's musical. He, his uncle bought him a drum set about a year and a half ago, which I was like, what in the world are you doing? Why did you do that? 
But you know what? Now I'm, I'm grateful and I appreciate it because we play music in the house. And his favorite song is Waymaker. He's like, Dad, play Waymaker. I put it on. And he's like, do, 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 do. he's only four, right? And I told her, I said, man, I said, I see gifts and talent. She's like, I know. She said, man, we got to get him into music lessons. Find out what he wants to do. If it's piano, if it's guitar, if it's drums, if it's whatever. We're going to cultivate that, right? Because if we're called to be a parent, man, we got to do this with excellence. Whatever sphere of influence you're in, I pray that you would do it with everything that you have with excellence. In your business, in your community that you serve, when you see people in, in the shopping mall, right, in Ross's, are you known for having a spirit of excellence or are you known for a different kind of spirit? Fill in the blank. There's many different kind of spirits, okay? Gossiping spirit, lazy spirit, all kinds of different ways that you could fit in there. Someone who walks and lives their life with an excellent spirit does no damage, but improves or enhances everything around them. In your relationship, do you improve and enhance the things that you touch? That's an excellent spirit. Or do you show up on your job or in relationships and it ends up being broken and worse off than when it started and ended up in all kinds of different difficulties? If not, maybe you're the one who needs to be healed. And I see this, and the more and more I counsel and talk to people, the more and more I convince. Hurt people hurt people, but healed people heal people. If you're experiencing hurt in your life, you need to be healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to talk with somebody to work through those difficulties, those abuses, and those pains so you can begin healing people and not hurting people. So you, you want to walk with a spirit of excellence? Best thing you can do is have a healed heart, healed mind, a healed past, so you can begin walking forward with all that God has for you. Amen? Woo. All right, number six. We got to go quick. Cannot be hidden. If you have a spirit of excellence, you cannot be hidden. Daniel was a spiritual young man. He had the ability to interpret dreams. He had gifts that impressed people with his talents, his strengths, and his excellent spirit. This set him apart from the rest of the people. How many of you have ever seen somebody uh, or do something um, wherever you shop, where you go to work, and, man, they're excellent at it, right? I mean, they're real good at it. Man, uh, you, you know when you get one excellent cashier or an excellent bagger. I'm not going to say where I went shopping, grocery shopping last night, but I was like, oh, stop it, Dion. Because this is a, the staff. We, get the, we have such this excellent spirit at times. We can't even go shopping without picking apart the lack of excellence everywhere. I was like, buddy, if you don't hurry up and bag these groceries, I'm going to bag it myself. Like, like, give me the bag. Like, he's flipping. And I'm like, I don't have time all night for you to just put it in there. Or the, the lack of excellent attitude, right? I love a cashier. Look, I, I look, I'm like, you can see it on their countenance, an excellent cashier. Hi, how are you today? Did you find everything that you needed? Is there anything that we could do? No, but thank you for asking. See, you have a great day. You leave that one conversation being improved. How many of you have experienced that? That's someone who has an excellent spirit in what they do. Now, uh, there, there was another, another person. He, he was uh, at the grocery store, and I passed him. And he's like, sir, do you need anything? Did you find everything? I said, well, I am looking for this. I, I wanted to. Uh, it's rare that I cook. I'm going to go make dinner for my wife once every four years, okay? Hallelujah. Uh, I was on the internet trying to, uh, trying to do this with excellence. I was looking it up. How in the world do you cook? What in the world? She's normally the excellent cook, and I'm in there. I'm like, I need this. Pine nuts. What is pine nuts? Why is pine nuts so expensive? Two teaspoons of pine nuts is like $8. What is wrong? It's like, oh, right here, sir. He, not just, he, he don't just go, oh, right down there, go turn left. It's like halfway down over there. Spirit of excellence, he goes, come, sir, follow me. Let's go. Here we go. Here we go. Come down. Like, right here, pine nuts here. Oh, my goodness. I walk right past this thing, right? When you're operating in a spirit of excellence, you can't help but you stand out. You cannot be hidden. 
You want to talk about an increase on your job? You better have a spirit of excellence because you will stand out from the rest. And it's not about putting your name out there. It's about putting his name, right? And you're doing it with excellence unto the Lord. I say it like this. Having an excellent spirit calls you to go to the second mile. Matthew chapter 5, verse 41, Jesus talks about going the second mile. And he, in that whole passage, he talks about how if they slap you on one cheek. I'm growing up, I was like, man, I, I kind of hate this verse. How many of you ever read something about it? It's like, why did you put that in there, God? Like, really? They slap you on one cheek, and I grew up, it's like, oh, you like slap? Oh, well, we can slap, right? Do you like slap? I can slap too, right? And Jesus, his principle, he's trying to talk. He's like, they slap you on one cheek, turn your other cheek. I'm like, what a fool. That's a fool. I was taught, oh, I taught, my father said, you talk once, they don't listen, talk twice, they don't don't listen. By the second warning, by the third warning, you take matters to your own hands, don't worry, I got you, I'll stand up for you. I don't know whether the advice was right or not. We went to a Christian school, got into trouble. I told my dad, I warned him once, I warned him twice to stop. He didn't listen. I picked him up, I slammed him on the ground. He goes, okay, you warned him twice. That's good. Whether that was excellent parenting advice or not, I don't know. Okay, I, he was second degree black belt karate, and I guess his idea was to, you know, you warn him, you tell him. You say, you tell him first, and the second time you tell him, but you tell him, if you do this again, I will warn you, I will hurt you. I'm going to do something to you. I'm like, okay, I can do that. I, listen, I, in my own, when I tell that to my son, the pastor, my dad, the pastor said the third time, I could just slam anybody around here. No, God, God forbid he's going to the same school that I went to that I did that. Ah, oh, I'm getting off track now. Okay. When you have the spirit of excellence, it calls you to go to the second mile. Okay, real quickly. The first mile, what you need to understand, the first mile was out of duty. First mile was out of obligation. And, and you need to understand that culture that, that they knew down, a Roman guard or soldier could come to uh, a Jew and say, here, carry my stuff. They would throw it down, and it was paces. It wasn't really in miles, and they had it down to paces. So say it's 100 paces. They would pick up the things, and the Roman guard could legally enforce that on someone. And a Jew would have to be like, you dirty pick your stuff up i'm sure you know dirty eyes dirty looks but they had the legal right to do it you pick them up and you guarantee this was guaranteed happening 90 91 boom they would drop them you on your own I, I ain't carrying your bag hundred more paces. Jesus says when they call you to go one mile, you go two miles. The first mile is out of duty and out of obligation, but the second mile would be called doing it with a spirit of excellence. I do it not because I have to. I do it because I want to. Because it's reflected in the God that I serve, and he's an excellent God, and he's a good God, and he deserves my excellent effort, and I'm going to give it all that I got. Amen. You can clap for him. Praise God. Not the first mile. The second mile, I remember reading this book. It was this uh, book called the, the Road Less Traveled. You want to stand apart from people, you take the second mile. Your job, first mile. You got to do that to keep your job. You want to stand apart? You go the second mile, I guarantee you, the spirit of excellence, you will begin, God begins putting favor on your life. Amen? This is, we're helping somebody get a raise here today. You better be shouting a little more than that here. Come on now. Or maybe you don't want a raise. I don't know. Okay, number seven. Got to go quick. Top of the list. Number seven, it will make you move to the top of the list. Daniel 6, 1, it pleased Darius to set him over the kingdom, 120 satraps who should be throughout the whole kingdom. And over them were three presidents of whom Daniel was the one. Think about this thought for a moment. 
Back then, 2,500 years ago, when Judah is being destroyed and they're exiled into Babylon, they're taking the best and the brightest. And they take the best and the brightest and they they put them over the rulers. And these 120 were like governors and these three presidents were over the top. But Daniel was so set apart with a spirit of excellence, King Darius says that you will not just be one of the rulers, you will be the ruler that rules all of them. When you have the spirit of excellence in you, God will open doors that no man could ever open. Some of you are praying for an increase. Some of you are praying for a a breakthrough, yet you're operating with less than an excellent spirit. Some of you want to reap the rewards of a a great relationship, but don't want to put in the work and have an excellent spirit in that. It's quiet. All right. I hope you know I love you. Come back. It gets better. Hopefully it does. Hopefully. No promises. He was dependable. He was detailed. He had an excellent, not just spirit, he had an excellent attitude. There was nothing that was going to get him down. I, I appreciate the optimist. Now, don't get me wrong. It's not that I don't like pessimists, but being around a pessimist 24-7, seeing the glass half empty all the time, man, after a while, it's like, all right, go take your glass and go someplace else. I like being around an optimist. Yeah, man, the glass is half full. We weren't where we were. Be- we we were. We are not where we were before, but we're not where we need to be. I pray that we would have an excellent spirit. This happened. Like this is super practical. Okay? Like I'm talking. Even we have our volunteers in the church. You can tell those who serve with excellence as they volunteer. They don't get paid a dime. They show up early. We have people here at the church who literally show up. No joke. Some of them about five o'clock in the morning to put out signs. That's people who serve with an excellent spirit. Maybe God's not calling you to do that. But uh, you know what? I thank God. Give them a hand for all of our volunteers, 200-some volunteers, who serve with excellence. Man, they put in time and time. They don't get paid a dime, yet they know they're storing up treasure up in heaven that we could never repay them for. They show up early to kids' church. They plan lessons, and, and, and I'm sure you go home uh, at kids' church, all kinds of things, right? Because somebody was doing it with the spirit of excellence. Worship doesn't just happen just like that. There's hours of practice, hours of rehearsal. we got to do it with the spirit of excellence. Cleaning this church, you think that the bathrooms cleans itself? <clears throat> the first mile is just those who just... Wipe the top of the seat, right? That's just first mile. But the worst is you open, lift up the seat or look down the side, especially if you're in the guy's bathroom, right? Like sometimes they don't have the best aim, even though there is urinals, it's down the sides, right? But the spirit of excellence, they don't just wipe the top. They're like, all right, come on. We're going to clean this up. This puddle of pee on the side of the toilet. We're going to clean it up. Guys, if that's you, go in the urinal and aim straight, please. I'm trying to help our dream team out here, okay? So that they don't need cleanup after you. Oh, Lord, we're going off track now. All right. Uh, at times throughout history, the church has had a bad reputation for slapping things together. Being behind, they say that the world is changing every two to three years, but the church often changes every 20 to 30 years. Why is it so? The message never changes, but the methods on which we convey and communicate the gospel must be changed. We're not living in the, uh, in the 70s or in the 60s. We're in the 21st century, and we need to communicate it in different ways than we ever have before. God's called us, if we're going to be kingdom people with excellent spirit, he's called us to be the head and not the tail. He's called us to be leaders and not those followers. Because when God calls you and I to do things, look at throughout church history. When the church saw a crisis, whether it was in education, they began building schools. Every Ivy League school from Harvard to Princeton to Dartmouth to all these different schools, it's because the church saw the need, they stepped up and they met the need because they had the spirit of excellence. When they saw healthcare in crisis, they began to build hospitals. That's why the majority of the hospitals you see is Saint this or Saint that. And why is it? Because they heard from the Lord, they saw the need, and they stepped into the need. 
Do you see needs around you? Are you improving the things that are around you? He's called us to be at the top of the list, whether it's in medicine, in politics, in music, in education. If you're an attorney, you better be the best Christian attorney. As a Christian businessman, you should be leading the way in your family, in your marriage. He's called us to be leaders, leading the way. Oh, I think he deserves a louder amen than that. Oh, you better believe it. I have to tell this to the youth. Hey, God may call you to be a leader, a politician. Follow it. God may use you. Proverbs 29, 22. Do you see a man who excels in his work, man or woman? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before unknown men. Number eight, exemplify Christ. If you're going to have an ex excellent spirit, it's not about pushing any other name. It's about bringing glory to his name. Daniel and thousands of Jews are taken away. Imagine this. Thousands of people being exiled from their homeland into a foreign culture, foreign language, foreign place. And they're being taken advantage of. How many of you ever felt like you've been taken advantage of before? Oh, I know there's like... Four of you, five of you raising your hands, but some of you are like, mm-hmm, story of my life. Listen to, to what happens. They're taken advantage of, and Daniel had every right and reason to grumble, complain, murmur, hem and haw, be a dripping faucet. Instead, they took, the, took advantage of the opportunity instead of letting the opportunity take advantage of them. The place that you're in right now, you say, man, why am I here? God, get me out of this mess. How do you know that you feel like someone's taking advantage of you or you're in the midst of a situation? How do you know that God wants you to take advantage of that opportunity so that you can exemplify and bring glory to Christ? How do you know that God's not trying to use you in your life to bring him glory and point to him? For 10 years, I worked on, uh, on um, a job for, for the government. And oftentimes I say, Lord, I don't care about the money. This it, it, sometimes it sucks. Like, I don't want to be here. Like, why am I here? I was trying to find purpose, and it wasn't just in my, the money. And I felt like the Holy Spirit says, there are many people all around you who don't know me and who need to know me. They need to be encountered by the light, love, and salt of God. And unless you go into that darkness, they will not see any light. So I, every day, they would play all kinds of heavy metal all kinds of music I, I had co-workers who man I would go home and they would stick pornography cards all in my lunch can and in my backpack and I would get home and unpack my bag with my lunch and and I'd open up my container and I was like there's porno pictures in my bag I was like throwing this away I was like what? I go back to work they're like haha did she find it did your wife find it I'm like you guys dirty you guys are dirty I was like, God, I'm going to quit this job. I'm over it. God's like, you can quit when I tell you to quit. And right now, the people don't yet know me, so you're going to keep shining your light for 10 years. No kidding. I remember telling the Lord, Lord, when is the time I need to share? Some of them, I talk about some of the top scientists, atheists, agnostics, and people who discovered black holes, won Nobel Prizes, and could explain the beginnings of the universe. And there, one of my coworkers says, oh, you think he's so smart, huh, Dion? He said, try to explain the beginning of the universe to this guy who, who discovered the black hole and the Big Bang Theory of how the world exists. I'm like, oh, I'm not doing that. And yet I would shine the light on love of God. So I'll never forget this one atheist says, you know, I, I don't believe that there is a God, Dion, but I have to tell you this. After these eight years that, that you've been here, like, if there is a God, I would have to say there must be a God, the God that you serve. I said, Lord, if this is what it's about, me serving in this job to shine my light, then so be it. Sometimes it's not about the money at all. Don't allow people to take advantage of you. Take advantage of the opportunity and shine your light to exemplify Christ. Number nine. This one's key. Have the team come up. Revenge is the Lord's. Revenge is the Lord's. Number nine. Revenge is the Lord's. Daniel 6, 24 to 28. Some of you have been through all kinds of different difficulties and things in your life. And you need to know that the revenge is God's. 
So you know the story. Daniel's thrown into the lion's den, and then he comes back, and, and Daniel's delivered. And, and the king ends up, like, rejoicing, saying, wow, praise God. It's the God of Daniel that rescued him. And listen to what happens to all the people who lied and cheated and conspired against Daniel. The king commanded, and they brought these men that had accused Daniel, and they cast them into the lion's den. Them, their children, their wives, and the lions had the mastery of them. The lions would break their bones into pieces before they came to the bottom of the day. Imagine that. They were throwing them in, and before they were hitting the bottom, they were getting broken to pieces. Then King Darius wrote upon all the, unto all the people and nations and languages that dwell on all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. He says, I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. You're praying and asking God to get you out of the mess. How do you know that God doesn't have you there so that it can shine and bring glory through? But you got to go through it. Many of us want to throw in a towel and quit before it happens. But if Daniel didn't go to the lion's den, they would never have seen Christ, seen God at work. For he is a living God. He is steadfast forever. And his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. And his dominion shall be even unto the end. The king gets it now. He's like, oh, God real. He real now. Verse 27, he delivers and he rescues. And he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. Who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions? He's the God. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian and the other two kings also. What you need to know is that when you have an excellent spirit for the Lord and you're giving it all you got, even though people may seem like they're taking advantage of you, you do it with everything you have is unto the Lord. You allow the Lord to handle revenge. Revenge is the Lord, says the Lord. Revenge is His. Vengeance is mine. Now, I'm not saying that your enemies and accusers or your co-worker going die tomorrow in a lion's den. I'm not saying that. Although you would wish and hope that would happen. Speaks more about your own heart that needs healing. That's okay. But God can handle it. Tell that to God, right? Because the psalmist said, man, I wish you would wipe out all these people, God. God can handle that kind of talk. God would rather you be real and honest and tell them straight like that than lie and pretend that everything's okay. He'd rather you be real. God handles your accusers, your tormentors, your adversaries. That ultimately, this is the difference between you and I handling and God handling. At times, you and I will bring condemnation and destruction and, 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 and these things that will lead to tearing people down. But ultimately, God in His way will bring conviction that hopefully leads to restoration most of the times. There's a difference, right? Like the God of the Old Testament never had a whole lot of grace. Jesus filled with grace. I mean, thankful for God's grace. Woo, I wouldn't be here if not for God's grace. God knows how to deal with those who oppose you. Trust God and allow God to right the wrongs in your life. I gave you nine characteristics, but the 10th is an acrostic. And the 10th characteristic of, characteristic of someone with excellence is character. It's an acrostic, character. If you're going to have a spirit of excellence, you must have character, integrity. You want to be around for the long haul and continue to stay married, it's going to take character. You want to lead a business and be profitable for the long haul and passed on to the next generation, it's going to take character. Daniel 6.3, there was spirit of excellence in him. Daniel was flawless and impeccable in his character. Excellence is not what you and I do. It should be who we are. Who we are. I want us all to stand. We're going to close. I pray that whatever God's called you to do, 
you would do it with a spirit of excellence. At the end of the day, all that matters is that God sees. What you do in secret, in private, God will reward you openly. You let him in his timing take care of that. Lisha and I answered the call of God to go. I'll never forget. I, yes, I'm competitive and I'm ambitious. And, and God's learned to shape those things and, and shave off and, and chisel some things off. I'll never forget. I got there at the college, the Bible college. And how arrogant of me of what God was trying to do in my heart. And I came there. And we all had to serve in the school. And, and I went there. I said, Lord. I want to serve in the president's office. Sign me up, Lord. That's where I want to serve in. Okay, maybe you're not like that. Don't knock me. That might be part of my personality. Okay, but we need people like that too. And I was there, and the Lord, Holy Spirit told me, He's like, Oh, Dion, in this season, you'll be hidden away. No one will even know you. But you're going to serve anyway, and you're going to do it unto me. I was like, I don't like that, Lord. I, I want to be seen. How many of you want to be seen, right? Let me be seen. What you do in secret, God rewards you openly. You want to talk about being unseen for four years while I was in school? Do you know what my job was because my background was in construction? I was underground most of the time. Literally. I was in the basements and in the attics, and in the cellars, and, and they didn't have systems in place to, to keep everything maintained in that whole college there. And, and I said, I came from 10 years in the government, and my job and role was to come up with a maintenance process and structure and have everything scheduled and on time. This is what the Lord says, you better do it with all you got, and I don't care if anybody sees you, you do it as unto me, because I'm trying to get a hold of the heart the character i'll never forget what the holy spirit spoke to me in this time he says i'm trying to give you depth in this season in secrecy and in silence i'm trying to give you depth in this season because one day i will give you great heights but if you don't have the depths of character you will never sustain the heights i call you to some of us are concerned with heights that we want to reach but we don't have the character that will sustain it can i tell you i serve there four years there was black mold the, the professors were wondering why they were sick no one ever changed the filters in the place i said when is the last time they're like i don't know is there filters in that thing yeah there's filters pull it out black mold oh my gosh my lungs i went to the doctor it never got advertised never got publicized that i saved the world from black mold the Lord knew, Lord, you know, you know, Lord. I ordered in the whole place, I think there was close to 400 filters all throughout everything, one by one. Most of the places, nobody's seen in there replacing filters. In my first year, it was Christmas time. I'll never forget uh, the assistant, the president's assistant came down and comes knocking on the maintenance door, which is in the basement. Nobody knows, nobody wants to go down there. Hey, the president's wife wants you to come upstairs and talk to her. And I was like, for what? I don't know. Okay. It was after about a year. She's like, hey, you know what? I heard, this is the president's wife. I heard, I talked to all these people that says, who do we have that, man, they're just excellent at construction and excellent. And I need something built for Christmas. And they're like, I just heard your name coming up over and over. Dion, Dion. And in my mind, I was like, this is not the project I wanted. Building Christmas stuff. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it comes wrapped in stuff that's like, I didn't sign up for this. I have this dream and this vision. I need this big star at the top of the, the, uh, uh, the school and, and like 12 feet tall. And, and we got a quote online. It's going to be like four grand. And can you do it? I want it to shine bright so that everybody driving by can see that Jesus is here. And I'm like, never built a star but I guarantee you I'll make it happen I, I, I was like I went away I was like Lord 
And it's just like, I have this, I want things hanging off of the, this whole three-story three building and everything in there. I'm like, Lord, is this really what you want me to do? Excellence. That Christmas year, that decorations was off the charts. Nobody knew I was up there in the freezing cold. Risking my life hanging in this 12-foot star that was like a sail in the wind. To save the school $4,000, risking my life. But I did it with excellence. No entitlement. No one needs to owe me anything. I did this as unto the Lord. You know what happened the next summer? Got a call. So president's wife says, hey, I want you to come over to the house this summer. And I got a whole list. I was looking for a job because we're doing all these different work. I need it, money, income. We're going to hire and pay you. So he says, how much are you going to charge? I gave him an amount. It's like, that's too cheap. We'll give you $5 more than that an hour. I'm like, should have went higher. No. <laughs> that's the business in any. Okay, I'm just being real, all right? I'm like, dang it, I sold myself short. Should have went higher. <laughs> served there that summer almost the whole summer they hired me we served there and while I was there I I'm talking talk about godly conversations I say can you come in let's have lunch together and the president and his wife would sit there and says where's your wife I said she's at home he says tomorrow bring your wife over we're just gonna sit and we're gonna talk they became like parents to us they say, how are you guys doing? I says, well, every furniture that we have in our home because we broke college students, we're making ends meet, like uh, we just find it at the dump, really. We would go in the middle of the night when the condo, while everybody is away, and they would stack their trash outside. Leisha and I would be like this, loading it on our Honda Civic. We got no money. Load it. Go quick. Go quick. We'd take it up at night, take it all upstairs. Nobody sees that kind of stuff, right? She says, well, what do you need? I was like, I would love a king-size bed. Okay, well, go upstairs. Go pick out a king-size bed. Take it. What else do you need? We need dressers. Okay, get a dresser. What else do you need? Blankets. Yep, here. Basically, they opened up their home. They blessed us financially. More than that, the relationship was like gold. I still have such great high respect and regard for them and they've so poured into our lives and they would call us back year after year we'd go there and when they moved to another house Alicia and I went there uh, packed up their things helped them pack unpack she she didn't have really a chance to unpack it we would go in there unpack label even when they wasn't there they would come back home and they're saying oh my gosh you organized it for us thank you I wasn't doing it for the name it was for the Lord when you have a spirit of excellence, the Lord knows how to open doors no man can open. 